Welcome, everyone, to the Cardio Seeds podcast. I'm Dr. Svetlana Shimon, your host. Today, we will explore the present and future of American healthcare, discussing ways to optimize the system and improve the well-being of medical professionals. So, if you are with us, let's dive right in and begin this exciting journey together. Welcome to another enriching episode of the Cardio Seeds podcast, where we delve deep into lifestyle cardiology, behavioral coaching, stress management, and so much more. I'm your host, Dr. Svetlana Shimon, and today we're honored to welcome a special guest whose life and work resonate beautifully with the principles we uphold here at Cardio Seeds. Victoria Nikitina Chala is a multifaceted professional with a background in psychology, philosophy, and business who transitioned from corporate role to becoming a self-taught artist and founder of Rising Heart Coaching, LLC, and her work empowers individuals through creative workshops and life coaching, fostering self-awareness, emotional well-being, and transformative personal growth. Based in central New Jersey, and she blends her analytical and creative skills to guide people on journeys of self-discovery and authentic living. Uh, I will put the full bio underneath the description of the podcast. So with that, I have to disclose that Victoria is my beloved daughter. And with that, I would like to welcome Victoria to this episode of the Cardio Seeds podcast and thank her for her time. Victoria, welcome. Thank you, Lana. Excited to be here. Can't wait to get the conversation going. Um, and before we start, I have so many questions for you today, but before we start, um, obviously I know all about you and we have so many years together and so many discoveries and adventures together, but for our listeners and viewers today, can you tell us um, your story and your journey to this point of your personal and professional lives uh, from the immigrant child in Ukraine to this point of the business owner and creative of your uh, company. Sure, sure. Yes, I can do my best to uh, draw that draw that timeline for our listeners today. So, you know, the journey starts really in Ukraine. I think this like the the fundamental <clears throat> fundamental facets of who I am obviously uh were laid in me when I was still in Ukraine. That is the love of nature, the love of art, the love of deep thinking. I remember doing this when I was a child. I remember getting lost in books and in my artwork and just spending time <clears throat> spending time by myself, but always very much um, in tune with my thoughts and kind of wondering what these wanderings, these mystical wanderings that I have in my mind, right? And the transition as being an immigrant child, I think really was a catalyst for some of the growth that I later, um, you know, that I'm still experiencing the growth that I'm experiencing, but the immigrant part really the transition was, of course, sparked by my parents who decided to take the risk and, uh, you know, relocate from Ukraine to this side of the world. Um, 
But for for me, you know, as a child, that transition and losing some of that stability initially of, you know, my culture, um, reintegrating into a new environment, um, you know, it was a it was a point of kind of a breaking of certain identity. And I uh, spent time over time, you know, those things shifted and molded. And after high school, I went to university at Temple for psychology and philosophy, but very much trying the whole time to figure out how do I fit in? You know, how do I really, where does my identity, um, how do I reconcile my kind of desires and um, wants and dreams, these underlying dreams that I was having with this other identity that I was holding myself accountable to? which had to do with, you know, my parents did so much for us and brought us here. And there are certain models that I have from, you know, people's careers and everything from my upbringing, what people thought I would be in my career, you know, mm-hmm. kind of path, right? So some people thought I would be a doctor. There was like a, a choice that didn't get made for me, but it was modeled that this is per- perhaps what I should do, right? Mm-hmm. And these more quote unquote serious positions, like should you be a lawyer? Should you be an engineer? These blockbuster careers, right? That especially in motherland in Ukraine, like it's it's a prestige to have this career. So in my mind, go ahead. Do you so, a- so, so yeah, I'm sitting here. <laughs> so I'm here, here, sitting here, you know, um, like on hot stones now, because I'm here, my mom, and you're telling me like my parents brought, <laughs> brought me here and there were some expectations. Well, maybe we can talk about it now. Sure, sure. <laughs> right, It's time to talk about it. So right. you're, t- you're telling me, why. <laughs> well, I'll tell you why. So, uh, you're telling me that um, you're t- trying to reconcile the expectations with your inner self, right? Your um, aspirations, your dreams, and your inner self. So uh, you're telling me now that you found yourself uh, between some different sort of expectations from who, from society as a whole, or from your parents, from me, or from sort of a general direction where the society was pushing you to, or was it like sort of um, a general feeling that you could not pinpoint and your inner self was, was telling you that um, your uh, roots were, were telling you to do something different. What was that? Or, or you still cannot tell what it was. Yeah. So I think I can tell, and I think it lies in like, I'm tempted to describe it in three different ways, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. for one, it was that because I'm talking really about my younger self, right? So those formative years. Mm -hmm. And at that point, being more connected to, um, you know, that we want to please our parents, because they're our source of kind of stability. And and so it's that, um, yes, initially, it was expectations that weren't directly like told you have to do this things, but they were just modeled. And it was, my assumption that I need to follow these, mm-hmm. uh, you know, follow this path um, for whatever reasons, right? Uh, later, it was also this, you know, 
having a certain personality type, like my personality type is more observant and reserved in some ways, you know, I'm more of an introvert than an extrovert. Um, And reconciling that, I think, with the, uh, I don't know, this is like very blanket statement, but with a more American way of being out there and putting yourself out there. And this is what at that point I was seeing in school and what it looks like to be a successful person, you know, successful people are eloquent and they stand out and they are, you know, and this is not only America, this is in general, like this, this idea, Mm -hmm. right? Generalization in a way. Generalization in a way what or what successful person looks like and what you are supposed to be like in order to mm-hmm. have the uh, kind of the credentials. The like these like, you know, if you don't have it, then you kind of don't have the credentials. And I'm not talking about, you know, school credentials, but I'm talking about this like body language and personality, which yeah, I, you know, mine's different. The package. So yeah. Exactly. The package, yeah, right? The mine's package. different. I come in a different yeah. package. So mm-hmm. it was the idea of like how do I validate what I have because I feel inadequate, right? Because of everything mm-hmm. that I see around me tells me that the way that I am mm-hmm. is, is inadequate. Like I have to fix, I have to change it. Mm-hmm. Even when I was in my MBA, you know, I came across this book one time that, you know, and, and many of us have that women need to behave like men in order to be successful. So this is just one of the examples. And I don't want to focus on that example, but it's just one of the examples that takes away the, um, fundamental recognition that people have different traits and different skill sets and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the ability to obtain success should be aligned with somebody's talents, innate talents and building up those talents. Of course, also, you know, building up, you know, we can all get better at certain things if we choose to do that, but ultimately the variability uh, shouldn't be discounted and, you know, at that point, I was trying to reconcile, how do I, do I need to become like this other person kind of, right? Do I need mm-hmm. to practice these other skills? And I was trying really hard to do this for like many years. Um, it wasn't until later. And now, you know, I recognize that that is unnecessary, but it's a, definitely a growing, it was a trajectory of growth for me. Can you, can you tell me about the importance of upbringing and the, the family and the education and also the environment that you grow um, with people around you, your surroundings in um, that growth mindset and the building that mindset that you can be successful and you can be different and you can do whatever you want and succeed, um, you know, um, the importance of that environment when you grow. In building, in building that mindset, because we, because I understand that the environment that you grew in was completely different because the, our, our environment that I grew in and I raised you in that environment was different. Thus, your mindset was also struggling with, with that, um, you know, the, the kind of break away from that environment, you know, and I see also my kind of part of my guilt of, of raising you in that environment that you had to struggle with that for years because you didn't see the difference. You didn't see the alternative to that, you know, because the alternative is really vast. 
there are other mindsets, there are other, you know, ways of to, to build your career, to build your f the future, your uh, alternative ways of, of for success, etc, etc. Um, but um, we we were all, all career oriented, you know, science career oriented, or professionalism career oriented, we didn't know different. You know, we thought that we, if we are not doctors, if we are not lawyers, there is no future, you know, if we don't make, you know, an X amount of money, you know, or whatever, or, or put money in our stock market, et cetera, et cetera. So there is no, <laughs> there is no life, right? Or no future. Um, but, um, life is so much uh, different, so much, you know, um, different from that. And, um, yeah, so I, I, I realized that in my late forties, right. That uh, there's no much, so much, so much more, um, outside that, but you realize that so much earlier and, um, you had to break away from that, uh, mentally. So, so how do you raise your children and how do you, do you <laughs> how do you do that if you grow in that environment? Let's take a quick break and announce that my new book titled Resilience in Scrubs, Thriving as a Woman Resident Physician is now available on Amazon in Kindle and paperback formats. It's really a self-help book for women physicians. It's packed with valuable toolkits and resources on a variety of topics from gender dynamics, resilience and wellness, salary negotiations, work life and family integration, embracing leadership roles, exploring career pivots, personal wellness, and much, much more. It makes a great gift to any uh, woman physician you may know. So please, please check out um, on Amazon. The title is Resilience in Scrubs, Thriving as a Woman Resident Physician. And the best part is that I will donate all the proceeds from the sales of this book um, back to the American College of Lifestyle Medicine to support new members, uh, resident members of the American College of Lifestyle Medicine. And we cannot do it without you Thank you so much for your support. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, so my, I think the question is, you know, multifaceted. So my response would be multifaceted. And really, if we talk about the environment that I initially grew up in, in Ukraine, and it, there's obvious reasons for why that environment is constructed the way that it is, right? Mm -hmm. And what I focus on, so when you ask about the growth mindset and about how have I come to having a more like growth-oriented mindset, you know, I'm also, you know, there's prevention type thinking, there's promotion type thinking, meaning, you know, more towards like opportunities, promotion, opportunities and goals versus prevention, like how do I obtain, how do I manage for risk? I am definitely still in the, you know, it's programmed in me. And I think that's normal and completely fine to have this like risk management mindset and approach as well. But the great thing is that through the efforts that you made, through the efforts that um, you made by coming here and everything that you have built, it actually enabled. So despite, you know, some trials and tribulations that happen in the past and through it's difficult to raise children in general, to raise teenagers. But what you did and is to, to start that, 
to enable me, well, you enabled yourself because even you started at around 40, it's never too late to start, but you enabled me to earlier in my life become a pioneer of this type of new thought thinking process, right? And because of the flexibility that was allowed, despite, you know, the expectations and everything, there was enough flexibility to where I could stand on my own Mm-hmm. And understand, you know, that even when I drew firm boundaries, I don't know, somehow, I think it was a combination of my own personality, what I was modeled through you, through my grandmother, uh, that it is okay to be different, even though it doesn't feel good. Like I knew that in my head that, you know, it doesn't feel good when you're different because you stand out, there's a risk of not being accepted. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I have experience with, you know, trying to fit into new schools and all of this type of thing where it's very obvious that you feel that uh, resistance of I am an outsider, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. However, inside, I have this love for who I am. This uh, I remember grandmother um, used to talk about this internal core that a person Mm -hmm. has. Authenticity. Yeah. But specifically, like she referred to it as this core. or like as almost like your spinal cord is made out of copper, like something, a hard material, which is, a you know, very stable. A person mm-hmm. has this core. And I remember having this image from an early age. Um, and I think also like I have some connections to faith, which helped me in this, but ultimately is this idea that of self-worthiness that mm-hmm. is embedded in you and in me and, um, being a pioneer of this new thought of saying, okay, I can move. I don't have to be so much focused on risk management as my parents did. And it is there, it is the parents who have brought me here. Ultimately, you know, it's through my own effort as well, but it's ultimately that initial transition Mm -hmm. of the parents making new possibilities for their children that enables the view, hey, we can do things differently because you did things differently. I can do things differently, even if I disappoint you or other people, you know, and and you, the more you use that muscle, the more you know how to use it and you get more, you know, better at it. The first couple of times, it seems awkward and you don't Mm. achieve the goals you want, but the more you use that muscle, the more you become confident that yes, you can do things differently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so Tell our listeners and viewers about your journey through, you know, psychology, MBA to coaching. Why coaching? (laughs) Art is understandable. That's your inner self. But coaching, why coaching? Yeah, sure. So I have a really (laughs) kind of funny story about this. Um, When I, you know, okay, so, so from the college years, psychology, philosophy, I completely fell in love, even though when I was in college on the philosophy track, I had to kind of quote unquote, hide it <laughs> under my law, you know, I'm going I'm to go to law school. And, and that's fine. You know, I, I that's I, because your parents said, go well, to law school. <laughs> right. But I, and I had this idea, you know, that I could be a lawyer. But again, that was more like putting on a costume. You know, it was more like I could yeah. play this role. I could play this role. Same thing when I went for my MBA. I could play this role. I could play this role. If I really try every day, I could play this role. But it's a role. And it was a heavy. It became heavier and heavier and heavier and heavier. 
So anyway, you know, the true love was the psychology philosophy because it's deep thinking, you know, exploring how we are thinking, how we are feeling, how things connect, how people are connected. What are they connected by? All of these things are very close to my heart. They pull my heartstrings. They expand how I feel in my mind. Mm -hmm. And uh, I could spend a lot of time, you know, talking about why I love it. Then when I am, when I am finding myself at the career point, it's, you know, again, being pragmatic and where is, where are the jobs? So going into the corporate America makes a lot of sense. And, you know, for me, I have the skills to also like analytical and, you know, that business oriented mindset I definitely have. So I fit in there pretty well. And I, you know, was able to move, move forward in my career trajectory and, you know, found myself, oh, I'm going to get an MBA, even though really what I wanted to do was go to like art therapy, but (laughs) right. More pragmatic was at that point, I'm going to go for my MBA because again, I'm trying to fit into this persona, into Mm -hmm. this professional persona, who's going to do these specific things and have this specific way of being presented in the world, which aligns with the definition of success Mm -hmm. because art therapist does not align with definition of success. Mm -hmm. And I'm being very, you know, black and white here, but just my thinking at that point. Mm -hmm. So in my MBA, I am finding myself that I'm having like a mini identity crisis pretty often. I'm also growing at that point and learning because up to that point and really my ability to talk in front of people like was a huge uh, hurdle. Uh, just having social anxiety, not being able to, it it was a big, big hurdle for me. So one of the things that I'm most thankful for by going through the MBA program is that it, through practice, it helped me to overcome a large, uh, the majority of those feelings, right? However, still, as I'm coming close to graduation from MBA, I am thinking that I am going to be stuck with this identity. And at this point, it is like a rock that I'm holding above my head. And I'm like, I don't think I can do enough squats to keep this rock above my head. It's going to cr- it's going to come down on my head. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I can do enough. Like, I can't. And so <laughs> I'll give you that, that's that, sounds pretty, that sounds pretty <laughs> dreadful. <laughs> well, well, I think it's an illustration of, you know, what it's like. Even to- even my microphone fell. <laughs> My microphone just just decided to fall. <laughs> <laughs> just listening to to that. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to I'm going to straighten. <laughs> anyway, uh, okay. <laughs> so what happened? <laughs> At that point, I am exploring. I'm now seeking out. I'm doing a lot of thinking, right? And in my thinking, I have journals from this. In my thinking, oh, you kept journals. Okay. I was, I, I always keep journals. In my thinking, I'm, I'm wondering what would be my, my ideal career, and I'm writing down the words. <laughs> None like, to no, me. No, I'm None. writing, I'm writing down the words life teacher. So at that point, and I'm around 27, 20, uh, 27 years old, I think. I am. Was I 27? Let me think about it. Yes. It was 10, 11 years ago. Yes. 
Yes. So I was about 27 years old. Yes. And I'm writing down in my notebook, in my notebook that I want to be a life teacher and I'm writing down the attributes of a life coach, but I'm at that point, even unaware, and this is silly, but this is how unaware I am of what life coaching that it exists, that it has existed for decades that it, ha- you know, as a profession, I am uh-huh. unaware of this profession that I'm like trying to make the words in my, in my notebook match what is in my mind as this co- ideal profession. That is funny. It's so <laughs> funny. Right. And I'm like, what is this life? Let me, let me Google here? if there is a profession for that. <laughs> right. But so what happens, I don't Google if there's a profession for that. What happens is I go to a career coaching, like networking event and I meet somebody and I am listening to this woman um, and I realize this is what I'm looking for. And she's a career coach with a career coaching business and a, and a successful one. Mm-hmm. And so I am listening and I'm like, this is what it is. So then I'm like, okay, I wonder, you know, but I'm not a career coach, you know, what do I do? And so I actually ended up connecting and working with that company for a while as an intern and doing some, you know, development and taking some of their courses. And then through working with one of their coaches, who was amazing, I started to get more comfortable with this identity. And at that point, I think because it was so personal, and such a heart opener for me, like it literally was it was letting air in that I was discovering who I wanted to be in the state of working with this coach that I was like, this is the career I want. This is what I want to do with people. What this person is doing for me right now, I want to do for others because it's literally aligned with what I've been thinking about. I just didn't have the words for it. At that same time is when I first said out loud that I am an artist. And that again was a huge, like my body language changed in in relationship to my identity. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a hidden secret, shameful, you know, you know, thing that I, I should not do. It was Every, everything felt all the pieces, pieces of the puzzle kind of came, came together. Started to, they, that was the beginning. Oh, yes, they fine. started to, and I became more confident. And the idea of having the actual creative workshops mm-hmm. was born around that time as well. Mm-hmm. Tell me more about the workshops. Um, who are they for? Who are the clients or or not the clients who are the um, the participants? Uh, and what do you guys do? Uh, what do you do with them? So tell <laughs> tell us more about it. I'm so curious. Absolutely. Yes. So they started as it was do you a, have a name name for that for yes. the wor- workshops? I saw that online, but I'm not gonna. <laughs> I, I wanted to come from you and the reason yeah. for the name and uh, what do you do? Absolutely, yeah. They're called When We Create, mm-hmm. and When We Create is a name that was born here um, in Metuchen. When I've you know I've been doing them here for two almost two years now. I came up with that name here before when I was doing them in Chicago because I started doing them in I. Uh, think 2015 2015 2016 is when I started doing them and I even did them when COVID hit virtually there it was it had a different name it had a couple different iterations so is it called it's called when we create mm-hmm. um, the idea initially was to have kind of a mini motivational 
almost like a mastermind think tank type of thing where people who are of the artistic background or people curious about, you know, creating more, uh, working on personal projects, if they need a support group, Mm -hmm. we can support each other and hold each other up and, you know, share our projects, perhaps working on something collaboratively, but really coming together and saying, hey, I have something that I would like to produce out in the world. Having some idea that I care about enough that it keeps, you know, saying that I should pay attention to it. And I want to bring it here and I want to open the windows and I want to give it life. Mm -hmm. Partially that, you know, kind of this, this idea of this support group for building momentum and motivation. I think it was called something like creative and motivation group at that point, right? The creativity aspect was really important because I wanted to specifically work with people or be surrounded by, not work with people. At that point, it was more just, I wanted to surround myself and be the organizer for this group where I'm bringing together people who are interested in creativity or who maybe have fallen out of step with creativity, but who miss it, right? Mm -hmm. And then another aspect of this group got unveiled to me. So at the point when I started it, I was still pretty awkward, let's just put it that way, when I was in front of groups of people. And I was, you know, in my head a lot, nervous, very anxious. You know, this was my body's reaction to being in front of these groups. Mm -hmm. At one point, I uncovered that when I am doing art, actually, in the group, I am not feeling those things. Mm -hmm. So I'm able to have a completely normal conversation, normal flowing, that meaning with, you know, my surrounded, uh, the the people who are there in the group, even though I don't know them, normally that would have put me in a state of like nervousness. At this point, I'm not feeling that. So I noticed that. And then I realized, okay, I want to do that as well for people. So I want to encourage people who are maybe feeling this lack of confidence to come and be in this group and through making artwork, we are able to then have what I say, what I call real conversations or meaningful conversations, which are more vulnerable. You're letting yourself out there. Um, you know, people have different levels of comfort when it comes to talking about themselves. Mm-hmm. So it was about normalizing, like finding an, uh, a baseline for everyone that they can have something at the baseline. We're sitting, we're making art. There's prompts there that are, let's say, you know, think about what makes you a unique person, right? And we draw about that. And then we share, or maybe somebody does not want to share and that is okay. You know, it's a very like acceptable, accepting space. Mm -hmm. You can just kind of play and be yourself. And, you know, I noticed that people got, benefit from it. They they wanted to seek out more. I had a couple participants who then seeked out additional things. One person moved across the country. She lives in a completely different part of the country now because she wanted to go to this t- city and wanted to, you know, it was something on her mind like as a dream. Mm-hmm. She has been living there for the past five years now. It mm-hmm. started in that workshop that she was letting this idea formulate, mm-hmm. let it out. And then I had another participant, an older gentleman who wanted to take art, you know, because he said he, you know, he hadn't done it in a long time or, you know, mm-hmm. he was interested. And he ended up signing up for art classes, even though he has a completely different uh, industry that he works in. But he signed up for art classes at the University of Chicago. And so these kind of things, I, I noticed that it was doing something for people to come, mm-hmm. to come mm-hmm. right? 
And by now the groups have evolved really. I'm focusing on open-ended creativity and mm-hmm. self-discovery. Those are the pillars. Mm-hmm. 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 Self-discovery, yeah. So uh, you are talking about it. And I think how I've been thinking how much it resonates with what I've been doing with my patients. Um, I'm a cardiologist, but what I discovered that, you know, creativity, creative thinking, right? Um, it's, it's a wonderful tool or, or a, a bunch of tools to reduce stress and through stress reduction, uh, it's a wonderful tool to heal our hearts and our minds alike, right? So what you've been doing without, without knowing it is, is uh, helping our cardiovascular system, helping our, uh, mo- our brains, our uh, multiple, you know, uh, body systems to heal also. So um, we uh, at the American College of Lifestyle Medicine just started this work and I've been one of the pioneers of this of this movement of the, uh, you know, uh, stress and burnout reduction as a powerful tool of cardiovascular risk reduction, because stress is, you know, as, as we, I mean, they're omnipresent, right? Stresses are omnipresent. So we don't think about stresses as something that we even have to, you know, uh, address on daily basis as, as a background. So stresses is something that are given to us and we cannot do much, much about them. But uh, when, when they go unaddressed for years, decades, they start through neuroplasticity, through other mechanisms, neurohormonal mechanisms, they start accumulating and through multiple mechanisms, they started um, playing tricks on our, you know, cardiovascular system and other body systems. So uh, multiple diseases, chronic diseases start popping up, you know, from coronary artery disease, hypertension, uh, hyperlipidemia, and multiple, multiple diseases. So addressing stress early on, because this is not a one day thing. This is not a one week thing. This is an accumulation of life long, uh, progressive pathophysiologic mechanisms that we're talking about through um, multiple neurohormonal or um, genetic, epigenetic mechanisms that go and start like a cascade of Mm. multiple, you know, uh, pathologic reactions. And then neuroplasticity in in the brain also adds to that. So neuroplasticity is related to the ability of the brain to form new 
um, neuronal connections, right? So the prefrontal cortex, cortex is, is the one that is, is uh, responsible to forming like the emotional reactions or, uh, you know, the reactions to stress, for instance. Mm-hmm. And with a long term repeated stresses or unaddressed you know, even, even stresses that are not that severe, but when they come, you know, on and on and on and on. So that ability to form new neuronal connections diminish with time. So there is this um, stress curve that when the stress is acute, then the adaptation mechanism kick in reach the optimal stress level or, you know, the stress level becomes optimal and then it goes down and reaches the, you know, the burnout um, uh, level. So, and then our body loses the ability to cope with time, right? And when the stresses are repeated, this curve becomes, you know, the optimization the the coping mechanism become worse and worse and worse and worse with time. So that type of thing. So we need to make sure that we replenish our energy. So the ability to form the those new connections in our brain doesn't get depleted as fast, right? So this neuroplasticity remains um, remains um, uh, active. So creativity through artistry or writing or uh, yoga, meditation, this replenishing of brain with energy is vitally important uh, because all, all kind of diseases of the brain also add to our misery, right? In addition to our physical diseases, even Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's dementia um, is also, you know, proven to, um, to be triggered or, you know, the progression to be triggered by the neuroplasticity problems from the repeated severe stresses. So I think what you are doing is extremely important because people need outlets. People need just safe spaces for self-expression, for camaraderie, for feeling free, because we don't really know their circumstances. We don't know their circumstances at home right? At work, um, just half an hour for calm, for, you know, safe space for, uh, you know, just away from, you know, home, you know, the usual, the routine, right? How do you feel about it? That's what I think. Yeah, because like, I also did not know anything about coaching in the past. And when I started Cardio Seeds, I I thought, you know, um, I feel like in addition to lifestyle medicine, something else, something else is needed, right? It's not intuitive for people to learn or maintain those healthy behaviors. It's not intuitive. So, how to get them there, right? And you know, as a life coach, you know that, like, to me, I feel that coaching is like, you know, it's like opening, you know, helping to open them to open their eyes. So they're asleep. And I feel like 
I just touched their arm, his and her arm, and it's like, hey, you know, it's time. And they just open their eyes and they're like, they find themselves like in the open ocean or in the forest or somewhere in the city, you know, and like, they're like, and now what? Right. And now what? I'm here in the, in the ocean. And, and I'm like, and I, and I asked them, so what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Right. And they may feel like they're Col uh, Christopher Columbus, right. Or they may feel like they are, you know, they just want to die. Mm -hmm. It doesn't happen. It doesn't frequently happen that they just want to, you know, just drown in the ocean. They usually want to be Columbus and just do it all the way. But this is what coaching is about. It's not. It's not just giving them, you know, a boat and and the, you know, a sail and say, "Hey, America is there. Just just do it." Right? It's like, what do you want to do? Mm -hmm. Here, what, what are the options? What are your options? Right? Where are you going? So what? A, so yeah, I think creativity. I'm not. I'm not an artist, Victoria. You know that. I like to write, and this is what I am. Um, I'm giving them options. The the you know reflections. Here are your reflections for this week, for the next week. Prompts, right? So think about that. Think about this. Just try to write, and then we will create your book, your little book, for your you know, so it will be your, your like memory, lifetime memory. So you will read it in the future and you will read it to your grandchildren and you will see your journey, right? Through your, you know, your journey, you know, through reclaim program and how you started and all that stuff. So your, your clients will have their drawings and my clients will have that book, you know, of their reflections. So it's fun. But this is this is the the their you know outlet, right? Yeah. So I want to ask you. Um, you said that you believe that everyone has an inner light waiting to be ignited, right? Could you explain how you specifically tailor your coaching approach to help to uncover those strengths, unique inner lights in your clients? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it is, it's something that came to me when I first was thinking about um, naming, like when I was thinking about my approach to coaching, when I was thinking about what do I name my my company and what is it that I do, right? So that's when the idea of the inner light and becoming your own inner guide. So as coaches, we obviously, we are supporting, we are in that boat with the client. We are, you know, we are there, we're holding the map, right? If, mm -hmm. if they're driving the car, we're holding the map. Um, and we're there with the client. Ultimately though, the goal is to empower as much as possible, this discovery of the own strengths and the own inner light so that you can start holding your own like you know light bulb or you know that, that lantern fire mm -hmm. lantern you're yeah. holding your own lantern and um <clears throat> you know that you have those capacities where i think creativity is fundamental is it is such a core ability of a human being it is yeah. a core ability yeah so regardless of if someone starts, you know, as children, every single child is creative, every single one. 
Mm-hmm. At some point, be, the creativity gets assigned a misnomer. It gets assigned this idea that it's like a talent and it has to have an end to this. Like, you know, it's a means to an end or it's nothing. At mm-hmm. some point, it gets that uh, bad, whether it's bad or good, I don't know, but it gets that label, mm-hmm. a certain label, right? For sure. And, a lot of people become disconnected from that innate ability of creativity. They become disconnected. There's a pile of labels that gets attached. You know, uh, a lot of people that come to a fair number, I should say, of people that uh, attend the workshops don't think of themselves as creative. They will say, I'm not an artist. I can't do that. I don't draw well. I'm like, you know, my, my drawings don't look good. That's not even at all the point. The point is that you just are provided with materials. Anybody can make something. And it is that experience of just, like you said, it is a quiet space where you are able to open up to yourself. I believe in having a relationship with yourself. Right. And a lot of time out in the world, you know, connected to external factors. Mm -hmm. The relationship with the self. Like the, a child can have a whole play session in their own mind. They can yeah. make everything they make, you know, whether they're drawing, whether they're playing pretend with little figurines, they're able to have a whole world that is very self-centered. And that is, of course, you know, a child development perspective. That is what they're supposed to be doing at that point. And at some point we become more societally oriented. Uh, sure. Of course, that all makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I believe that as adults, it's vital that we have that reconnection with our own self and with building that relationship with our own self, really knowing who am I? Because knowing who I am and who, you know, for you, who Lana is, that is really the starting point of how you're going to interact with the world. Right. And each individual person's relationship with themselves is just as precious just as vital, just as worthy of preservation and exploration as like a romantic relationship or a career progression or the relationship we have with our children or our parents. Mm -hmm. It's just as important. And it's, that's what I mean by inner light. Mm -hmm. It's literally taking like a light and shining it into that part of yourself that you may have covered up by other things and are no longer looking in that direction. Right. Because since childhood, you haven't had a chance. You've had to look in all these other directions. How do I become successful? How do I do this? How do I manage that? And so there's stuff that's just now in the shadow. It's kind of hidden. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's that shining that light. It's reconciling that relationship. It's building on that relationship. It's maybe like you said, finding yourself in the middle of the ocean and saying, hey, oh, my gosh, this is really uncomfortable. I don't know what to do. I don't know how I got here. And but the coaching aspect is what helps to support the person there. And there could be other support mechanisms necessary, right? To guide some, or like to support someone and to help them process, depending on the level of emotion they're experiencing and whatnot. But ultimately, it's that idea that I'm going to find myself here and I'm going to be okay mm-hmm. because all I'm doing is recognizing that, you know, there is more to this life. There's more a- uh, aspects to this existence. And I want to reconcile some of the things that I've put aside. I want to bring them back in. 
Mm-hmm. The creative workshops, they're an easy way, you know, and we do different things. Some are more just playful oriented where it's like, hey, well, life is so, you know, responsible. I don't want to be responsible. I want this place to be free <laughs> of any sort of responsibility, you know, and it's getting people okay with that idea that you can be looser. You can be, nobody is actually constraining you. <laughs> sure, yeah, yeah. Like physically. And it's that, I... that ability to, to be more free and to be more light. It's, it's the light, you know, I could play with this world. word. Mm. I won't mm. bore our listeners about how light can be lightness, how light can be luminescence. It's multifaceted. And that's why rising heart, it's obviously rising, but then I talk about light. So it's like, how do those connect? But they do. They do because light travels in many directions. And, you know, it's also the lightness of the heart that creativity enables us to have a lighter heart. Right, right. Um, To to wrap it up, uh, it's been a wonderful conversation today. I enjoyed it immensely, you know, um, to to honor our listeners and viewers time um, um, to wrap it up today. Um, I want to ask you, nevertheless, the last question um, about uh, solace and um, finding solace and inspiration in books, nature and art museums. You mentioned that you find inspiration in nature and art museums. How do you think those elements contribute to holistic approach to wellness? Because here at Cardio Seeds, we focus a lot on holistic well-being. Yes, and I, your mission is incredible. You know, when you were describing uh, the parts of your mission earlier in the conversation, um, I was thinking about, you know, the offset, what do we do? And it may be different for people. You know, someone would like to go for a run. Someone would like to go to a museum to read a book. Finding time and giving value to those practices that are then enabling you to offset the accumulation of that stress. That is, that is vital, right? So what I do is finding nature and art museum is what will fulfill me. But it's that idea that you're doing these practices, you're connecting with these practices, you're honoring the need. And it creates an effect, a healthy, it creates a healthy outcome, both mentally and physically, you know. And so for me, when I'm actually curious, I'm curious to ask you with your Reclaim program, you know, what are the facets of the mission of the Reclaim program and how does creativity, how do you feel that creativity fits into those facets? Because of course you mention um, the need to replenish, the need to reduce stress, the cardiovascular risks that are associated with stress and those things. Uh, How do you find, do your clients find benefit from creativity? Have you seen that? Sure, this is that's a great question. You know, reclaim um, is tailored to each client individually, right? Reclaim, um, first of all, uh, the concept of reclaim is what to reclaim what, right? Re, uh, reclaim um, um, your 
one's best health, reclaim life, essentially reclaim purpose, one's purpose in life, one's purpose in work, um, in um, essentially professional uh, life, in um, um, professional mission, right? But um, in also best health, right? Reclaim your best health, both mental and physical. So this is why my clients are here because professional burnout and professional stress is so omnipresent that our physicians and our nurses are essentially, um, you know, they aren't uh, in their best place now. They are suffering at very large numbers now. So I'm trying to help. And um, a program um, is designed um, especially, especially for them, first and foremost. Um, and um, they are glad that we are there for them because they say, hey, therapists really um, listen to us, but they don't understand. And you do understand because you've been there, you've done that, and you are one of us. So Reclaim um, incorporates pillars of lifestyle medicine, such as nutrition, exercise, et cetera, et cetera, sleep hygiene. But Reclaim also is heavily on specific um, elements of stress reduction as um, one of the pillars of burnout reduction. And we use creativity as one of the pillars of stress reduction. And as I said, you know, one of my creative pillars is writing. And um, writing uh, can go whichever way my clients want to take it. Um, they want to write essays. They're welcome to write essays. They, they want to, to write short notes or um, reflections. They're welcome to, to write that. We, um, we put together, um, you know, uh, pictures and, and colors and books. We, we make little books um, and we keep them for posterity, essentially, for them to, to last forever. Um, and, um, if they can, if they can, you know, they can send me uh, their family pictures, uh, we, we keep, uh, private files and this is how it goes. So, yeah. Uh, and, um, essentially, uh, I also do a lot of writing for myself. So this is my outlet. And for those who are interested, I write for physicians, my brand new book, um, for family residents um, and um, for um, resident um, uh, female resident physicians uh, called uh, Resilience in Scrubs, Thriving as a Female Residence will be coming out on Amazon self-publishing platform early next month. And also 2024 Physician Wellness Calendar will be coming out early next month. So I hope that those two tools and a book, um, a tool as a, as a physician calendar and a book will be very helpful because I kind of um, filled the, the book with very helpful resources and information for female residents. And I hope it will be, you know, one of those things that um, they can find lots of information all at once. Um, yeah, yeah. 
So uh, with that, uh, we hope that um, our episode um, was enjoyed by our listeners and viewers. Uh, Vika, it's been a very nice conversation, enlightening conversation today. Your life and work at Rising Heart Coaching is a testament to your creativity, resilience, and emotional intelligence. And thank you so much for your time. And for those eager to learn more about Victoria and Rising Heart Coaching, we will provide all the details in our show notes. Please remember to subscribe, rate, and review the Cardio Seats podcast. And until the next episode, thank you for listening to the Cardio Seats podcast. Take care, and we'll see you in the next episode. Goodbye for now.